You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me today is my eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles, how you doing today, man? <laughs> Surprise, but you didn't think we were going to be back in the studio so soon. Did you, listener base? We are here for another episode of Legends Cast. We uh, made the mistake on uh, our last episode of doing an episode right before the patch dropped yeah and i don't i don't Which necessarily think that was a bad thing but no. you need to have that follow-up episode you can't alley-oop somebody in the air without slamming it home to finish yeah. it off it's a two-part equation so we decided that we were going to throw out an extra episode uh we're recording this on a friday theoretically it'll go out like friday or saturday um hopefully as long as i have time for editing shouldn't be much editing because we're just just literally having a conversation about the patch. But uh, Gibby and I wanted to get on and uh, and chat about what we've been playing since the patch came out, what we thought about the patch, what I think has been probably the most, I don't know, widely accepted, embraced, appreciated patch that we've seen in LOR in a while. I feel like... I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I it, it hasn't, of course, all panned out. We don't know what the meta is exactly going to look like. We're going to look at the meta tier list. We're going to look at the changes to cards. We're going to look at the cosmetics. Yeah. Um, all of those things. But, you know, it, there there's a lot. It's only Friday, right? So it's been two days. The player base isn't quite big enough in LOR to solve anything yet. So, uh, you know, it'll it'll be a little while before we actually see the the meta solved. But we, we have a, a good insight and we really like the patch and i think the patch yeah. honestly the patch surprised me did it surprise you what what about the patch surprised you i was surprised at the lack of poop in the pudding yeah everything actually has been panning out pretty well and i think maybe that's why it's been so widely accepted is that it's people aren't really finding problems really with with what they changed yeah, there wasn't, like, anything that as soon as it came out was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Why would they do this? This doesn't make any sense. How could they do this? And a lot of the patches that we've had before, you know, uh, some of, like, even the good pieces of the patch have seemingly become overshadowed by, you know, the one or two glaring missteps of the patch, whether that was, you know, making Mono Serima really powerful, whether that's, you know, when TF Fizz was was just insane or, or whatever have you. Yeah. And I think that uh, we haven't really seen that as much in this particular patch as we have in, you know, previous ones. That was encouraging. So, yeah, they just you know, we wanted to get anything. on to me. Like, it's hard yeah. to appreciate, like, the incremental, like, overall positive changes when they break something. And then the, br the thing that gets broken is what you see 90% of the games, which makes the other 90% of the patch irrelevant. So the fact that yeah. that didn't happen here overall is a fantastic thing and there's a totally lot to agree. talk about yeah well tell me a little bit about what you're playing because before we actually started recording you were like hey i want to you know give a little a little heads up about what i've been playing you said you were been checking out a couple of decks i have played i basically built a deck 
so far. Like that, I've worked enough to get a deck built, but haven't really gone far beyond that myself. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I've been playing a lot of uh, of my other decks that I were already I already had established, but I've also been trying some new things as well. I think post patch, I've built maybe three decks or so, but. So I, as promised, I have been playing my body swap deck that I posted in Deck Tech. If anybody is is interested, yeah, uh, and it's been and it's been faring pretty well. So that is my Lucian Callista deck that wants to level Lucian or level Callista for that matter. Uh, has a ton of card draw. It's almost a mid rangey deck that has a lot of kind of kill, um, but does have some good some good top end to be able to go wide and and um, it's it's pretty potent. Uh, it's been performing pretty well in ladder. But I think that's that's good. Also, I think also people are still trying to figure out their own way through there. So maybe the fact that I'm kind of a little bit practiced with it, it might just be while everyone else is still experimenting, it's faring well against experimental decks, but we'll see. Um, I did build and start messing around with um, with uh, Jin. Okay. And I I wasn't That's interesting because we were we've been pretty underwhelmed by Jin in general. But I did notice a couple of decks that seem to be running him in the uh Yeah, like there there's a, there seems to be a couple of decks that have been in the meta. Like I, I just took a really quick look and it was like, Oh yeah, a couple couple of these decks seem pretty good with him. So Yeah, and I built a Jin uh Ezreal deck. And it's not so much I know that sounds gross. It's not so much that Ezreal is an important part of the deck. He's just got an extra spell that he he creates, which helps with Jin. But it's more kind of a well, Ezreal got a nerf too. So right, and it's kind of a Bernie deck. But like what I did was I built uh, Jin Ezreal, and I'm running the Mana Soul Student, which I really like that card and where it's at. The three two that every time you play a fast slow or uh, skill, each round the first time you play it each round it basically pings the it it enacts its skill, which is Magic Embers, and pings the enemy mm-hmm. nexus for yeah. one. Yeah, so. that's a really cool card, and I'm I, I, it doesn't it doesn't work in conjunction with Funsmith, does it? Like, it can you? Does and I'm running in oh, that deck. Okay, that's what I'm. Okay, running that was it my with. curiosity. It was like, will it work with Funsmith? Because it does, and it's why it's basically the the whole point of my deck is. I, I mean, my logo is the Funsmith, and I haven't played a lot of Funsmith recently. I need to get back to yeah. that. So yeah, and I'm, I've always thought Funsmith was a cool card, and I was oh, kind of so curious cool. if Ember would work with it. You know, yep, the Embers work with it. Um, Rex works with it too. So Rex is my top end. Oh, um, yeah. I love anything right now that's going to go back and find Riptide and, and make use of him, for sure. Yeah, because technically all of his little cannon barrages are skills uh, when they come out on the board. That's true. Um, so, I mean, Ezreal's extra... His his um, Mystic Shots he creates are an extra damage. Doom Beast is an extra drain and an extra damage. Aftershock does four. Um, I'm running Ballistic Bot because every Ballistic Bot pings for two every single time. Sure. Um but I also like this deck because I'm running the discreet invitation as a one by the one that creates a shady character. Um, so if they put something like discreet there were several invitation, okay, it's I'm a two pretty unfamiliar with that two mana burst spell in PNZ that says create a fleeting shady character or chempunk shredder in hand and reduce its cost by one. So if I go shady character, I can um, copy either one of my own minions or a minion on the other side of the board. Like, let's say they drop a tie bulk. I need to answer their tie bulk with a tie bulk. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, or a Chempunk Shredder, which is the the five two that does one to everything on their on their side of the board to all enemies. Well, if you've got um, if you've got Ballistic Bot, 
or not sorry, not ballistic five. You've got Funsmith out now. It's doing two to everything. It's a five-two body that just gave you an avalanche that didn't harm your board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a one a one-sided avalanche. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's excellent. it's sure. it's really really fun. Jin is by and large not the focus of this deck. I haven't even like found value with him in this deck. It might yeah, just that makes be sense. worth. We said last last uh, last episode, right? That the best way to play Jin is to ignore Jin. Right, uh, but but I need Jin against him. I need Jin in the deck to be able to pull all the the the, the skills cards in, so I have to have him in there. So maybe uh, this is a so deck you that I put a one buy. of. Yeah, I could I could go a one buy of it and maybe put like I don't know like a Teemo or like a Caitlyn or an Echo or something like that in here. Yeah, something else that might or be helpful. Victor. I could throw Victor in here if I really wanted to. Okay. Um, but okay. yeah, it's it's been really fun. I like that deck. Um. I do have to uh, admit something. Please forgive me, podcast co-host, for I have sinned. I did. What have you done? I did try. You playing Mono Sharima? You no. playing Azrilia? No, I did. I did. I, I did try Azrilia oh, just man. to see how it is, and it's okay. It's I fared well in it. Well, it's but I wasn't always blowing been people okay. Out. I wasn't blowing yeah, it's people. It's always out. been okay. Like, yeah, I mean, I feel the like the problem with that deck is when it has the ability to blow somebody out, it's it's not it's not okay. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Azrilia was was never like completely trashed here. It just has been pushed out of the meta at different times, and they've sort of tried to adjust it to get it at that like really comfy B tier counter the counter deck, right? If S and A tier, like you know, if S tier is your your best decks and A tier counter your S tier decks. And they're like, I think they want Ezreal to kind of nestle in at that sort of like B tier, like I counter the counter decks. The problem with Ezreal is it's like it's like a C D tier deck, unless it's an S tier deck, right? And it's it's a really finicky thing, which brings us to the patch because you know I had, we had both said there'd been a couple of adjustments that I was really worried about that you were worried about. And what's really interesting is they gave Ezreal a change, um, you know, in the Aurelia buff. That is, honestly, it was kind of unorthodox for me. Yeah. Um. I, I know it's not completely unheard of for cards in. I'm gonna look and see. Uh. Even even what ones have it. Um. What cards have a tune in Ionia? To the best of my knowledge, um. It's just one. Okay. So okay, it's three. I guess technically, so Scatterpod, Field Musicians, and Eye of the Dragon. So technically, like two playable cards between Eye of the Dragon and Scatterpod. Well, and if you um, remember previously, dancing didn't didn't the Dancing Droplet also have at one point a tune, and then they took that away? Oh, oh, you're right, you're right. I didn't even think about that one because, but a, a tune has historically been something that's I think it's primarily really in Bilgewater, right? Like, yeah, there's nothing in Freljord, there's nothing in Demacia, nothing in P and Z, nothing in Shadow Isles. Is there a Targon card? No. I feel like Targon might be the other that I would I would consider. No, no Sharima not. No Noxus. Uh, okay, so there are a few. There is a few Bandal City ones, but those are mostly stuff that, like, two of the Bandal City ones that give you a tune are also Bilgewater cards. So, yeah. it's really been, it's been, I guess it's technically been mostly Bilgewater with a few Ionia cards mixed in there. So it it doesn't not make sense, but I thought it was kind of an elegant change because it's basically saying, hey, 
flawless duet still costs two. So you're not going to play a really, you're going to play a one drop, a two drop, a really on three with the attune and still be able to get flawless duet off the turn that you play her. You're still going to need to have banked one spell mana, but now you don't have to skip turn two. You know, you could play a turn one and a one drop on turn two and still Aurelia and get the flawless duet on turn three. Well, you can skip um, turn you can skip turn one, play a two drop, and then Aurelia yeah. on three, she's gonna give you the attune and you'd have two mana for the flawless duet. You don't even have to skip you don't have to play just a one drop on turn two. You can play a full two drop. Sure. Sure, if you, yeah, you have the option, right? I can play a one-on-one, -on -one, a one-on-two, and then Aurelia, or I can play nothing on one, a two-on-two, -two, and then Aurelia. The yeah, point right, is, right. is that you have, there's this tweak where you can use one more mana in terms one and two with her now that enables you to get her online a little bit faster, and also it, it there's not this, like, power sync where, you know, oh, your, your first two turns are really crappy. Aurelia is really not a turn three champion. She's really a turn four five champion. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting to me because out of the two between Aurelia and Azir, I think Aurelia is less of a problem than Azir overall. And Azir has been the one that has been issues and continues to be an issue, in my opinion. Whereas um, Aurelia really got the hardest nerf, which is interesting as well because if you had nerfed Azir harder, you would have disabled some synergies but you would have kept Blade Surge and maybe allowed Blade Surge to be used other places, like with, you know, Misfortune or something, or in other areas. So I, I actually thought this was an elegant change to Aurelia. I, mean, I haven't even said what I've been playing. I just thought, dove right into the patch. So Well, yeah, well, yeah. and real quick, as I did mention, I didn't even go to the deck that I, that I wanted to tell you about real quick. It, it's the one that I, I copped it off of the leaderboard unapologetically. Oh, yeah. I was thinking literally look, jumping all over the place. Yeah, I just wanted to see what was out there. I did download a or import a, a, a TF Nami deck that had a very different change to it. It has a lot of the new cards um, in it okay. that I was like, okay, like I TF Nami's been around for a while, and I know it's not sure. a very feel good deck necessarily. The way it plays sometimes it can be rather one sided. I mean, it's still playing Twisted Fate, some some Zap. Uh, the Fre Fleet Admiral Shelly for the elusives and all that wiggly burble sure. fish, but I liked that this version had uh, Eye of the Eye of Nagakaboros, the the burst spell to to spawn to draw yeah. to. It was running yeah, tentacle played smash. Bit. Played against that, yeah, that wasn't fun. Um, the the Shadow Isles Tellstones is the part that intrigues me the most because my prediction as a part of the patch during the last episode was I said with Crumble getting a buff to now no longer be five mana, but four to kill an ally, to kill a unit or destroy a landmark. I feel sure. like you don't don't necessarily just enable Crumble, you enable the Shadow Isles Tellstones as well in conjunction with that. And it's 100% the case. It's, it's a great flex option to either be able to trade up uh, running the Tellstones for, for to be able to pull Mark of the Isle to give something plus two plus two and, and uh, Ephemeral to mm -hmm. trade up against something. Spirit's journey to kill something of yours or kill something of theirs and resummon it if it's if it's over like overstated because of bard buffs or something like that. Um or to be able to crumble to kill a sun disc or a, a yep. conservatory. Like it's a really good tool for that. So yeah, this, sure. this deck is a brand new is something that I haven't necessarily played this style 
It's challenging for me uh, because I'm not good at this this play style, and it's a very intricate. Like you can make a lot of wrong decisions in the deck. So it's it's been fun trying to to figure it out. That's cool. The deck that I've been playing uh, was my own creation. I usually do eventually go in and try to find a couple of decks that maybe are uh, are a little less unique. Um, but you know, honestly, I just looked at mostly. I just looked at Frailyard mid range. And I said to myself, you know, I think that Frailyard midrange is a really is a really cool idea. Um, I think that I wanna, I think I'd like to mess around with that. I've always enjoyed Frailyard midrange. So the deck that I've been playing, and I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up. Um, I was like, well, what is the new what is the new midrange? And the new midrange is kind of barred, uh, if I'm honest. And so I made a Sejuani barred deck. Um, that is running uh, Revna, uh, the Lore Keeper, which of course is a six mana two two that um, buffs everything in her deck equal to her when summoned grants units in your deck right. uh, my stats, uh, then draw a five plus unit. Um, you had a couple of buffs on her. Like I literally just played a game like as we were getting ready, um, where I you know I dropped her as a five five, and my next draw was literally between that and uh, and an Omen Hawk uh, was an eleven. 12 Sejuani. Um, that's a pretty good seven drop. An 11 12 Sejuani is not bad on turn seven, right? Um, it runs Avaros and Hearthguard. It's just yep. buffing the crap out of your deck. It's running a Merkwolf Shaman um, because it's drawing cards. It's running Upgraded Babbling Burg because it's drawing stuff. Of course, Bard, Avaros, and Trapper because it's the only good three drop in, in anything, really. <laughs> I don't know. I've actually been thinking about looking because i could technically run some vandal city threes as well um I yeah it's like what's your what's your other no, region is it I, vandal city no because there's it's barred right so there is no other region. oh right um it's barred so uh running uh the tusk speaker to get the damage in uh, of course your troll chant your your sentries your three sisters your omen hawks but then i i did get uh the two that put chimes on top of your deck um, the the breath of the world and the bell ringer, um, and so those put the chimes right on top of my deck. The bell ringer is an incredible card. Uh, one mana, two one. Put the chime on top of your deck. Yes, it's really it's, really cool. Yeah, bird is is great. Bird's good. Yeah, Esmus is also really strong. Um, honestly, just to throw them on top of your deck, you get a couple of those things that hit your Revna, um, and it's really it's just. You're just putting out overstatted minions throughout the entire game. So if your opponent doesn't have sort of like an OTK, like a Lee Sin or, um, you know, like a Mono Serima list that can capitalize on how long it takes you to get ramped up. Um, if it's control, it's pretty hard to stop you. You just have a lot of draw in the deck. Um, you know, between the between the Shaman and the Avaros and Sentries, um, it's... The shamans are, and and uh, Revna herself also draws you a card. So two of her, what, there's like, what, six, eight draws? Um, all of those are really good. So, yeah, I, I've, I've been enjoying the deck. It's been fun to play. It's been pretty powerful. Um, it feels like you're just building this, like, overwhelming, you know, like, super, super status. We're like, okay, I'm now dropping, you know, two mana seven sixes. What are you going to do about it? Um, right. and, you got to be able to bridge the gap fun. into your late game. And, and Bard definitely gives you that because you're the odds of you hitting chimes early. Like you might high roll and get some chimes early, but you're never going to see all of the chimes that are being placed into the deck. So if you hit yeah. chimes early, it's fantastic. But 
by the time the mid-range rolls around, you've most likely hit some of them, and it's just a matter of value at that point. And Bard's great value. That's the, that's the whole name of why you play Bard is for the value. Yeah, so, yeah, I've been enjoying that deck. That deck's been fun, and, and that's really the only one that I've been playing. I am getting back into a little bit of Path of Champions. We'll talk about a couple of changes that they made to that. Um, and, you know, some that people like, some that people don't love. I think overall it's a net positive change in on if I'm honest. Um, but we can we can certainly chat a little bit about that in the patch notes as yeah. well. Anything else we need to chat about before we jump into the patch? No, let's let's do it. Let's jump on in. Awesome. Well, let's talk about champions first because I think that that's an important thing to to cover. And if there's a couple of cards that we need to cover as well, we will. Um, but so Ash got a buff. Um, it's it's really it's just kind of like a bug fix in, in game clarity. She's so she now counts power reduction on units that already have zero power. I, I was trying to understand this. Does this mean that if your opponent plays a zero power formidable unit, that Ash gets a tick towards level up? Yeah. So like, let's say you played a troll chant on a formidable unit, or like, like let's say you played troll uh, chant. If you played troll chant on petrocyte, um, the petrocyte two drop that has zero attack or something like that. Or if she goes and freezes something that already has zero attack. Previously wouldn't have counted towards her level up. Now it will. Right, because it didn't reduce anything to zero but because it was already there. But now it counts. Now it actually works as the the after effect, even though it was already at zero before, still put it to zero. So it does count yeah. towards her level up. Interesting. Okay, that's fine. Bard uh, now counts units that buff their own stats. Um... Right. I mean, yeah, I, I it makes Bard a little bit more versatile, right? I guess it would work against things. I guess it would work with things like um, like a couple of the Noxus cards, the one that just got nerfed, and also like the, the two Deserter. one that gets plus one, plus one for every uh, creature that you have on the board with Overwhelm, the giant guy. Um, shoot. Well, and shoot, you could run it with, I mean, like Legion, the Legion Marauder. You could run Bard with Legion Marauders. You could run it with... Um, you could run Bard with uh, She Who Wanders, all right? The the, yeah. the Frail Yord card that then when you summon it, it gives you a bunch of, like, you probably level it up Bard immediately from that alone. Is it She Not Who Wanders or is it something else? I, I do I do know which one. Yeah, I, I understand which one you you mean, but yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the Frail Yord 6-drop, 7-drop, whatever it is that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember because there's like three in that in that uh they who in that endure. That's they who meant. endure. Okay, yes. Yeah, she who wonders is the bigger one. That's and the then there's drop. also it that stares, and then they the they who endure. So they who endure is the cheapest one that used to be run with atrocity. Doesn't really see much play anymore. I just have a shiny prismatic version of it sitting in my collection being unused, you know. They have uh they they have given their pronouns, and that's a great thing. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Cool card. Um, but to that you know, point, yeah, Bard, Bard now is more Bard flexible. Change. Yeah, Bard's more flexible. Ezreal, however, is less flexible. Uh, increases to eight targets up from, what was he, seven? Yeah, I think he was seven before. You know, it's really interesting to me because the handful of times that Ezreal has been pseudo out of the meta or only in, like, B, C tier lists is when they have adjusted that particular level up requirement by, like, one point. Like there's just it, there's just nothing more to do with him, right? Like it, if yeah. you nerf his stats, he's not there for the stats. You can't give him any less than one, or else he'll be unplayable in his attack. You, you yep. can't. 
you can't you can increase his cost, but then again, you're probably like half the decks that play him want to drop him by the time that he's leveled yeah, anyway. So he starts pinging. Like he's a he's a late game finisher for that for really what he's able to do. Or even if you play the first copy, you're probably going to draw a second copy because P and Z has a lot of draw, and yeah. this, the second copy will be the one in the late game that does it anyway. So it's yeah, and his stats and everything else that's about him doesn't really matter. It's more about it's more about the target piece of things, and you would you nerf that number and kind of gets balanced a little bit, but that's about all you can do. Yeah, he's interesting. I, I I mean, we've obviously we've had plenty of conversation about Israel. This will probably push him a little out of the meta for a season. Um, he'll probably come back down in the future. I actually don't hate Ezreal as a mechanic. I think he's a good card to have in the game. I think you need combo pieces in a game, but I do think it's good to push some of those combo pieces out of the meta and then allow them to come back into the meta later. It's pseudo, It's almost like a rotation, right? There's almost these seasons where we rotate Ezreal out and then rotate him back in. He's not technically gone, but he's he's kind of gone. Um, Hecarim uh, used to give on level up Ephemeral Allies plus three plus zero. Now he gives your Nexus ephemeral allies get plus three plus zero so uh that's pretty good like that's pretty cool because before you would be able to like hecker him an attack he would level up he'd summon his two ephemeral allies they'd be five twos and then you would just block and kill hecker and then his five twos would become two twos and then it was like well that was wasted well and because of all of the shark chariots and all of the the ghost riders mm -hmm. that he that he creates the spectral riders all of them are to the right of him just na naturally as you summon something in combat it gets spanned yep. out to the right so when he died they were still there but they never had the like if you were able to the other change that like they i would have would have been interested in and it would have been kind of converse or adverse to like everything else in the game for the in this way but if you were able to summon the shark chariots or like the spectral riders to the left of him. Yep. That would also have worked as well. But I think this is a cool change. Ephemerals are not something to the left of him would have fixed it, but it would have been a, it would have still been a problem, right? Because it would completely have changed the way like Hecarim would be the only character that worked like that. You know, right. and one as a champion, yeah. I'm not opposed to that because champions are supposed to be unique and special. And that would be something sure. that would be special to him. But I'm, I would it would be confusing for new players. Thing. Yeah, it would. It's more probably confusing a, than this. Yes. So I I do like this change. It's almost as if once you've played a couple shark chariots or other ephemerals, and you've attacked with them, go ham, drop him. You don't have to worry about is he gonna make it or not. The minute you drop him, everything has got plus three plus zero, and you can continue to play your cards. And you don't. I think you you have to be less careful about when you play him. Agreed, yeah, and I think one of the cool parts about that, too, is it gives a sense of inevitability for these ephemeral decks that says, okay, now I have my Hecarim leveled up, now all my stuff has plus three attack, uh, they're all disposable to me, you're going to lose eventually, like, uh, you better win the game now, and it, it sort of puts people on a clock with your ephemerals, mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good thing. I haven't experimented with it yet, because I was more excited about the multiple Freljord changes, but I think this is a good change to him, and it, it sort of pairs with the next one, which is Callista, who just had her stats flopped. Now, I haven't checked this out. I think it makes sense. Oh, I have. Because more stats is good, but you have played it. So what has your experience been like with it? It's in my body swap deck. So this is why I was so excited about a change, because I was like, okay, if it's going to be a buff, my body swap deck with Lucian's only going to get better. 
I do think this is a good change. Tip, tip, typically, the extra one attack doesn't mean a whole lot when it comes uh-huh. to like Callista. The whole point is you need to get her leveled, right? And sure, Shadow Isles has so many recall tools or be or ability not recall like the actual thing, but resummon tools to be able to get another Callista back out. Um, I mean, half the time people have to respect the uh, the blocking of Callista. So that sure. way, and so that way, they can try to kill whatever the ephemeral unit is that when she's leveled up that they that she spawns. So the extra piece of attack doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's more or less you just need her to survive and be able to get to the late game. And there's a lot of three damage spells, especially with the the change to crumble. I'm sorry, not crumble. Aftershock uh, being cheaper now, and that can do mm-hmm. three to any unit. Like that would have killed Callista easy. There's yep. you, you need you need those protection tools. I mean, I think Noxus is in yeah. a really good place. A lot of people are running um, Noxian fervor to be able to yep. to to do three finish or, or clear things. Yeah, so you needed the extra health. I think it does make a difference. It's a slight difference. I still would have liked to see a to see a bit of more of a buff on Callista, but it does make a difference. Yeah, I, I think her just being a little bit chunkier helps her a lot because you're less inclined to just use her as an aggressive tool now, which I think is kind of what she was before. It was like, I ran her not because I ever intended to level her up, but because she was a four, three with fearsome. And now I'm looking at, I'm saying, well, there's maybe better things I could play in that slot. Now I can now play another champion in my aggressive list. Maybe I'm now playing Elise with Nocturne instead of Callista with Nocturne, for example. But, now I'm also saying, like, okay, well, can I run her in a list that maybe is going to go a little bit slower? Like, is there um, – uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I may, Maybe maybe there is a space for Callista Hecram, too. Like, I, you yeah, know, they, got, totally could they be. work together a little bit, which would be cool. I also um, have she, it in my – I also play her in my – still in my, um, my Callista and uh, – oh, my goodness. Why am I struggling on the name? The, the four drop, the spooky, spooky boy. Um, that kindred uh yeah uh-huh yep yeah so Callista kindred is a three four combo that works awesome and Callista staying alive more often um means that they have to block more often which means kindred's killing things more often it's it that's also a, a really good I'm, st- I'm still not hot on kindred i'm still not i'm still on the i'm still not hot on kindred i still think kindred is so hard to protect and, and make good but yeah yeah well if he dies guess who Callista's resummoning Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you same could be said about Hecarim, right? Because yeah, absolutely, she would also be summoning. Arguably, would be better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I. Yeah. I, I see. I see what you're saying. Um. The next one, Shen. Shen. Uh. Increased his level up. Uh. By one. So now you have to see barrier five times. But he comes down with barrier and counts towards himself. I mean, I think this is obviously just a, a net positive for Shen, right? His level up really didn't change at all, and he comes down with barrier now, which was one of Shen's issues. Like, a lot of times he would come down and your opponent would just have something bigger that could block him. And sure, he'd give barrier to somebody, but then he just dies. Yeah. Now he doesn't. I I, I did play against the Shen um, uh, J4 deck, and it was it was super strong. Like, it was it was really hard to deal with, not going to lie. Shen well, J4. And, I mean, because Shen has to see five barriers, like, he's already 20% of his level up but just by playing him. That's great. I'm okay with that. He did get a buff, although one of his main tools did get nerfed, which is Bright Steel Protector. Mm, yeah, that's then, one of his main enablers. Yeah, like so that that card losing 
Um, that card losing some stats definitely hurts. I still I don't know whether it still makes the cut or not, and that's a truthful like I'm. I just haven't played that deck enough. I probably will, but I don't know if it if it still is is worth the the bad stats. Yeah, I probably won't play it. I've, I've never really been interested in Shen, and I've really only been interested in J four because he's an elite, not because of his barrier. Mm -hmm. So I yeah I probably won't even play it. But uh, I did see it played against me, and it was. I can't remember if I won or lost. I may have just been able to overwhelm his stats. Once again, the Frailior deck that I'm playing, like, if you give it time, just eventually wins. And uh, the J4 deck, Shen deck, just, like, it had leveled up J4 and Shen, but didn't matter how much barrier you had. When my dudes all had, like, plus nine, plus nine on them, uh, I was eventually just overwhelming you uh, with, with literally overwhelmed damage. Right. Um, I think there's some stuff that's notable. Uh, I want to mention Aftershock in the spells category because, and, and here's the reason, like it used to be cost four and it could deal three damage to face or destroy a landmark. Now being at three, it actually has the ability to do two things. One, it can remove uh, a, a sun disc before your opponent, if you're second, before your opponent can guard it with their spell shield minion. Um, because if you pass one, come to two, as long as you did not play first, as long as they were first, you can now remove it. Same as what you could do with Scorched Earth. You can now do it with Aftershock. Second thing is, Aftershock now activates Tri-Beam. And so you can run this instead of Get Excited, potentially. Well, and I think it's on par with Get Excited, as long as you're not playing a discard-heavy a discard -heavy deck. Then again, if you're playing Get Excited, you probably are having some sort of discard. You're probably playing the Boom Baboon um, or... Sure. Some or some other discard mechanics to get the value still off of the discard piece of get excited, but this feels online with it now, right? I before you'd look at this and you'd say, well, why would I ever run aftershock when I can run get excited? I don't think that argument's there anymore. I think they they do different things, and you you could tech either of them into your deck based on the weaknesses or strengths or what you are most likely think you're going to run up on a matchup thing, almost like you're talking about. If, if landmarks are really prevalent and you really need to kill sun discs, you could run three copies of this in your deck and mulligan for it every time mm -hmm. to try to find it. I think Aftershock is in a really good place now. I don't feel like it's overpowered. It's just in a really good spot. Yeah, I, it's not in a good spot for decks. Like It no longer gets run in a deck that wants to run burn, that's like trying to find more spells to burn someone, burn someone out because right. it can no longer go face. But where it will find a play is like my Caitlyn Swain deck because it gives me a little bit more versatility, another three drop to activate my Tri-Beam. And my Caitlyn Swain deck very rarely wants to push damage face. It almost always wants to win with Swain Leviathan. So, in you know, instead of trying to push damage face, now I'm able to, you know, control the board a little bit cheaper, a little bit earlier. I like that element of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hot on that change to Aftershock, I think. A little less versatility, a little less burn, but also cheaper, so we take it. Um, what of these that we haven't talked... I mean, we've hit Bright Steel, we've hit Babbling Berg, we've hit Averroes and Hearthguard, like, we've hit a lot of these. What of these uh, have we not hit that you want to discuss? Um, I think the change to Petrocyte Broadwing was pretty good. I like that it basically Also runs elegant. Yeah, I also elegant. I agree. I think it was a great change. It runs very similar um, to the Eagle on one um, that just wants to need you to play something else. It needs uh, something else after it in order to be enabled. And I think at that point, a 
a 3-3, essentially, formidable, that runs off of... I think formidable is really, really cool. I don't think they killed the card, but they did a good job making sure it was still playable, but slowing it down a little bit so it doesn't kill any any other decks early game. Um, yeah, it's basically saying, hey, turn the turn that you play this thing, it's going to let you grab control of the board. But after that, it's no longer going to do that, right? You have a turn to grab control of the board. Makes you wonder. You don't always drop it on two now. Like, you might hold it because you play something else because you want to use that challenger at, at the right time and not just waste it. Because now my opponent, if I'm trying to protect something, my opponent plays this on two. Like, eh, I'm just going to take the three damage to face from this this round and not have my thing get challenged, you know? Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, was a really good change. Um, Rex is back and in a big way. Uh, I think I've seen a yeah, lot. Yeah, that was of, the I've one seen, I wanted to mention. I've yep. seen a lot of bilge water decks. It's the the increased number of cannon barrages as well as the stat increase is a good thing. He's finally a useful eight drop again. Um, mm -hmm. But I've still had several times. So Rex has finished games finished me off in games with that my when my opponents played him as he should sure. as an eight drop that needs an activation like plunder but there's also been games where my things are still living through rex and i think that's okay that's part of the randomization of the cannon barrages um and that was I, always the case back in the day it was just like there was a lot of cards that build up to rex for piltover that gave them really good board control so you oftentimes just like didn't have enough of a board to live, get your board through the cannon barrage. And then it was, if it wasn't that one that took it, it was oftentimes the one, the following turn. It was, it was always the second Rex that took the game oftentimes. Yes. I agree with that. Um, I love the change to promising future. That card can go to the trash heap. It's, I don't know if it's still going to be played or not, but I love that. They no, didn't just good. nerf. I'm glad it didn't, they didn't just nerf it a little bit. They nerfed it a good bit and they by increasing the cost from four to six it slowed down thralls and i would love thralls to go away yeah i think that that was that was probably the most aggressive change to a card i think yeah you know what the one that uh the 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 legion guy that moved from overwhelmed to fearsome was also pretty brutal the deserter i'm not yeah. gonna lie yeah well, deserter still, was pretty brutal he's still an atrocity target or one that you can kill and, re and kill and resummon in order to be able to uh, to level Viego. Um, he's still good for a couple purposes, and he's still an overwhelm unit that gets really, really big and can block several things, can force them to block several things on several attacks. He still lasts a long time. So I, I think mm -hmm. the card has still got its use. Um, the one I think got maybe gutted the hardest uh, outside of... I don't know, maybe promising future is Zenith Blade. Yeah, I don't love it's that's probably one of my um, but we said this in the last episode, right? Earlier this week we both said we actually don't want to see Zenith Blade change. We actually liked it. So I was not gonna be happy with any adjustment to Zenith Blade, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, and I and maybe I'm I'm open I've heard some commentary around Zenith Blade and it being changed. And I maybe am a little more open to it now than I was, especially since the fact that you can draw another copy of it. Like, you'll get another copy, so even if it's for the turn, you can try to play another Zenith Blade on another turn. And I think sure. this change... I think this change to Zenith Blade now just being Overwhelm for the turn is... 
I think what that does for me is it makes you run three copies. You don't just mm. run the one copy or the two copy because it's going to stick around on the on that one or two important units that you really need it on. I think you run three copies. If you're going to run it at all, you run a full set because you want the option to have that overwhelm on, on multiple turns if you need it. Yeah, and it also makes you show your hand earlier, right? Because the only way to draw the additional copy is it's playing play it first. Early. Yeah. Where before it was like, eh, like if you're playing Lee Sin, I don't really want to expose my hand and show that I have the overwhelming hand. I want them to waste mana. And because this is a permanent overwhelm on my Lee Sin, I don't I don't maybe have to be as concerned with getting the next Zenith blade in hand. So I can give up the daybreak in order to hide my intentions here. Yeah. Um and you that's a little less riskier. You could still do that, right? Because you still get overwhelmed for the turn if you feel like you have a guaranteed win. But it's riskier because now if your opponent does end up having some level of counterplay to it, you don't have the second Zenith Blade in hand that you need to get overwhelmed the next time you get the attack token. Um, it, it is a subtle change, and I do think, I will say this, across the board, there I think there's been elegant changes, and I think they've been substantial. Like, the only, ch so often we've looked at these changes and we've said these things, they're just lazy. Right, they're just lazy. It's just swapping stats and stuff. Yeah, you know the but Riptide is putting him back. Like good change. Quicksand maybe one of the laziest. Promising future. You know the formidable like the the Petricide Broadwing was a really good change. Like that was an elegant change. Legion Deserter I think uh, a heavy but elegant change. Um, I think that you know a a lot of them. There's been some that were just stat changes. You're always going to have that. Disintegrate, I think, was a like an elegant change. Um, I think that Trifarian Assessor, uh, Trifarian Assessor change going back to four enables a whole bunch of archetypes again. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with that. I thought I really uh, elegant change. Hecarim, really good change. You know, uh, Ezreal. Once again, we said, what can you actually do with it? Um, you know, you, there's not a lot of changes that you can make except changing that level up thing. Um, I thought they turned their attention to the most problematic cards in the set being things like Promising Future, Quicksand, Broadwing, um, you know, Legion Deserter. Um, I think that those were some of the most problematic cards in the set. They addressed those cards in ways that I thought were good. And they resurrected some cards. The only thing we haven't talked about is, like, at the very beginning of the, the patch, it just said, like, hey, Scout is no longer going to be able to be, a, like, a randomly attributed keyword. So now things like Victor in Arsenal can't get Scout. Which um, is why they buffed the Arsenal, and I'm okay with that. It didn't need it? No. It was fine where it was. The extra one attack really didn't matter, but the... Uh, yeah, plus one, yes. plus one, because you can't get Scout anymore. Well, it also, the, the archetype that it hurts, that they're really not talking about, is it also hurts um, some of the, the Targon decks, right? Some of the uh, the mid-range uh, Targon that wants to gain all of the keywords uh, for, oh, for, what's his on, face? Uh, Pantheon. Yeah, I mean, I'll see. I didn't yes. even think of that. Yeah, I haven't even seen Pantheon in so long. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that that actually does actually get hurt a lot. Yeah, that got it. That got Pantheon pretty hard because one of the things you definitely wanted was Scout on Pantheon. Yeah, if, uh, if maybe Pantheon not most. comes down with if Pantheon comes down with bigger stats leveled and he gains 
scout and he's got the barrier like he he's very hard to deal with you can almost close games on the, the double attack is just brutal so um yeah fate yeah get hurt a little bit from that yeah which i didn't I, which even I think about that I didn't even think about that. You know, faded decks haven't been. I wouldn't mind seeing a Pantheon buff. I actually don't hate Pantheon. It's the other. There's other faded cards that I dislike more than Pantheon. Um, you know, that you know, it becomes popular again. I'd have a problem with. I don't like. I actually don't love the fact that it hurts Pantheon, and we didn't see anything addressing it. I, I didn't even think of that because I, I just haven't played against Pantheon in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I kind of. I now I kind of wish that maybe that had been addressed a little bit like even if pantheon came down with you know instead of just overwhelming barrier if he came down with like overwhelming barrier and, and fearsome right off the bat like give him an always keyword mm, i don't know maybe that would be tweaked too much maybe fearsome doesn't even make sense for him I, I definitely wouldn't maybe maybe him coming down as a four three wouldn't be bad instead of a four two mm -hmm. um that might make more sense because it doesn't make a big difference on turn one, but it would make a, a bigger difference later. Yeah, but uh, overall, scouts are really, really strong keyword, and maybe they felt that it was thematic enough where it needs to be regionalized. limited to cards that actually get scout, right? Yeah, re regionalized and be thematic, almost like we were just talking about how a tune is thematic for for Bandel City, but more or less Bilgewater. It seems like scout is very thematic for uh for demacia and even a little bit of bilgewater as well so, and i'm okay with that i think that's a really cool uh kind of niche keyword that um should should stay that way and not be able to be grabbed all over the place yeah let's talk for a hot second about the uh cosmetics because um you know normally cosmetics we don't have to talk about them but i think that these are noteworthy and should be talked about and we'll close with a quick conversation about panther champions um but uh, so real quickly, Nami, we got Tidecaller Nami um, or Nami Tidecaller. We got Bard Bard, um, which is <laughs> Bard, uh, Bard. fun. Bard Bard, which is funny. Um, we got a really cool Fizz Fin Slayer is actually like a super baller fin skin. Um, really cool fin, uh, Fizz skin. Um, Monk Lee. Uh, and so all three of those have new level up animations as well, for the record. Um, yeah. We got a new Lee Sin skin. We got a new, and I'm I'm just gonna Wait look really quick. I don't think Bard and Fizz do. I uh, think it's Bard just and... Nami. Oh, do Bard and Fizz not have new? Oh, you're right. You're right. I thought that they did because they have a, a video with them, but it's just showing the other abilities that go with them as well. Yeah, um, I, I think the bad. only one of the new set that has a level up animation is Nami. Granted, it's, it is a bomb new level up animation. Yeah, yeah, the the new Nami overall, I think they did a really good job with it. We got Monk Leeson's, like a really classic looking Leeson skin, um, which you know, as a Leeson player, I I appreciate. It's interesting because it's it's like one of the ones that there's not that big of a difference between Monk Leeson and Leeson. Um, they're both kicking and they both look the same, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and then we got the weird uh the the Wisewood Zillion. Um, which is super fun and really thematic. And he's like Radagast the Brown now from Lord of the Rings. Essentially. Um, yeah, he's like a druid. He became a druid. And then Riftmaster Darius, which is like a, you know, a big, mean, menacing Darius. And to my knowledge, it's the first Darius skin, right? It's the first. Is it the second Zillion skin? Do we have a Zillion skin? I'm like, it's so hard for me to remember what we have. Nope, it's yeah. the first Zillion skin. 
It's the first Lisin skin. I'm like 90%, 99% sure. Darius has a beach skin, right? Or does uh, he? did he not? No, he doesn't. Darius does not. It's the first Darius skin yeah, that we got. It's the first Darius. It's technically not the first Fizz skin because we did get the Rising Tides Fizz, um, which was a free one that you could have gotten when like, we did new artwork for Teemo and Fizz. Um, and then first Bard skin, I would think. By and the first, Yeah, yeah. First Nami skin as well, I believe. So uh, I'm going to make sure that's true. Yeah, first Nami skin. It's the first of all. And the board's awesome, dude. The board is dude, so the, cool. The board is fantastic. And maybe we're biased because we are tabletop RPG players. And this is all a D&D-esque, like, oh. tabletop RPG, like, themed event. But it's so cool. I have been flirting back and forth with getting, with getting that board. Because it's just, every time I look at it, I'm just like, this is just an amazing, amazing uh, board. And if the skins were cheaper, I'd buy the whole set. Yeah, I actually kind of appreciate the fact, to be honest, that these are not an event because they're going to stick around and I would come back and buy these later. Like, I could totally see myself coming back for the Nami skin, even the Darius skin, if Darius ever got a rework and became mm -hmm. good. I think the Darius skin looks really cool. Um, the Zillion skin is so cool looking and you get a new time bomb with it. Um, if oh, I ever you? did play Fizz, yeah, you get a new time bomb artwork. Um, you get uh, you get a, several new features, like a new skill and a new um, uh, like spell artwork for Fizz as well. So like, you do get like a lot of little additional things. Bard gets new artwork for his skills. Um, Lee Sin gets new artwork for his dragon kick. Once again, it looks basically the same. Um, as what it would have been before. It's really interesting because I, I like the Lee Sin one. What Okay, what I like most about all of this, to be honest, is I just like the fact that they thematically fit the world. Like, oh yeah, they, they don't stick out really bad. Like a lot of like, you know, like the, like the, whatever, the arcade skins or, you know, like the space theme skins or the, the Santa Bronk or whatever. World Walker, yeah, they kind of reminded me of like the Gilded skins, like a lot of the Gilded skins sort of fit in. Uh, yeah, World Waker was not great. The well, Ruination skins were what okay. What I was thinking was the Infernal ones. Like the Infernal ones are like a bit off from what they actually are as characters. Yeah, and I bought I bought like two World of those. World Breaker, too. that's what I was thinking, not World Walker. World Breaker. The Infernal skins I bought a couple of because I really love the Kennen skin. Um, now I wish I had those coins because I would totally spend them on, on like Fizz Nami, probably Fizz Nami, maybe Fizz Zillion, which, okay, if you're going to buy one, which is the one that you want to get out of the skins or is if, it just the board? If I, if I'm going to buy one of the skins, let me, let me get a look at them again real quick. I think if I'm going to buy any of the skins, it's probably going to be, I think I'd have to go with Darius. I think the okay. Darius one is probably my pick. I think it's really, really cool. Um, it's still relatively thematic, but I, I, I think it's the one I'd probably use the most. Maybe that, or I'd maybe that, or just the Nami one because the Nami is so cool. With especially since I've been experimenting with Nami. Yeah, 
the yeah, Nami one is great. That's just dope. And and you level her up so often that it would be nice to be able to see the actual the level up animation. Yeah. I think mine's Fizz. I think it I think mine's Fizz. I just don't love Fizz's artwork to begin with. And the uh the variation of the leveled up Fizz in this is just really cool. I like actually really like fizz i i'd be honest i like them all there's not one yeah. that i don't like in this set bard bard is maybe my least favorite i know there's people who will be upset about that because they love bard get it and i think the bard bard skin is even really popular and it's funny right it's super funny mm -hmm. um it's just not my style like I, I i'm fine with normal looking bard i don't need this version of him that's fair that's fair okay well, uh, the last thing is Path of Champions, and you've been trying it a little bit since we got the changes. So I'm curious to hear about what your experience has been. But the changes are basically everything that we talked about last episode. Like, literally everything. Yeah. I was like... A, which, I'm, I, yeah, I've been, I've been trying Path of Champions, and it's, it's, I'm still early enough where I don't think I have that many opinions about the changes. Uh, I do like the... Based on the last time I played Path of Champions, there are a lot new, a lot of new abilities and new cards to be obviously playing with because they continue to expand the card pool. So sure. I'm still gathering a lot of my initial opinions about the way it is, but I've no, I can absolutely see um, why the the shard issue or the um, the wild shard, shard to, issue, yeah. yeah, shard issue to unlock all these champions was it was a big thing. It was from a concept perspective, it was easy. It was easy to grasp before, but now actually playing it, now I for sure get it, and I would be really frustrated if I was just locked um, behind champions. So, trying to level so them up and get the stars. Sure. The only complaint the community has made. So basically, what they changed was if you get um, shards for a champion that you already have at level three, you will get a you'll get wild shards instead, and those wild shards can be used on anybody to level them up or unlock them. You can also just spend real money now um, if you would like to, to unlock uh, champions that you haven't unlocked. So coins can, but not level them up. You can't level them up or, or star them up, but you can just unlock them. Um, relics that you've gotten duplicates of will also turn to wild fragments. This all happens retroactively. It basically is just opening up the game. Um, there's a lot of elements of that that are, I think, uh, excellent for the game and make a tremendous amount of sense. I am personally really happy about that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the one complaint that the community has had has been you do not get a one-for-one -one trade on these shards, right? The shards come in and, like, if you get five champion shards, you get one wild shard. And I think the community would have preferred to just a one-for-one. -one. I understand why they didn't do it, Um but I was all yeah. excited because I was like, oh, man, I got a ton of extra shards for my level, my one three-star, and I'm going to be able to go and two-star something now, and I can't. So I understand why there was some frustration for people. Yeah, I and I, I get that too, and maybe I think a one for five is a little steep, maybe like a one for three or something like that. Like they could even scale that ratio down a little bit so it's not – the change doesn't feel completely useless. Um, sure. But I understand that. As you mentioned, I understand that they want longevity with the game and they want longevity in that mode. And if you did a one-for-one, one, it'd be kind of hard to, I don't know, I feel like you'd breeze through leveling up a lot of your champions pretty quickly. Yeah, you might move through it faster than what you what, what I'm thinking you would. So I haven't had much chance to play it, but I am going to be playing it, you know, over the course of the weekend and stuff. 
um, because I I want to I want to try it out. I I'm I'm kind of stuck, and um, I want to go win some battles and you know win adventures and unlock some things so that way I get some wild shards. You know, star up a couple of my guys and get rolling with it because um, I I I I, I want to give it a try. I want to give it a try. I want to go back to it now that it is not seemingly impossible or completely RNG based on what I'm going to get. Um, I'll at least be logging on for a couple of days in a row this weekend to do my daily and weekly quests uh, for Path of Champions. Get it. Earn those shards. Now it doesn't matter what those shards are as long as you're getting them. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, that's going to, I think, wrap up this episode. It's been about an hour long. Got a chance to jump in, dive in. So we, we hope you guys enjoyed the, the double episode this week. Um, we enjoyed putting it together. It was a lot of fun to kind of jump into LOR and actually see a patch that made sense that people didn't get really upset about the moment that it came out. Um, it was nice to see there's been more comments in our Discord than ever um, about about LOR, not and ever, than certainly recently um, about the game. And that's cool, too. It shows that there's experimentation. There's a little bit of hype. There's some excitement. I would say there's almost as much excitement about this patch as there was around the last, you know, like, champion expansion almost. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it just seems like our avid players who want to play competitively are genuinely excited about the game right now. That has not been the case in quite a while. So that's a, that's really good and healthy for the game. Yeah, I think the game is definitely better than it was a week ago. And it's not really a a matter of um, it's better than than it was a week ago, and it's not a matter of that it was in a bad place before. It's just in a better place now, and that's a great thing to be able to say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Visit us on Patreon. Consider supporting the show. Um, and if you do, you get a Patreon tag over in Discord, and we love you deeply. Um, other than that, uh, check out our other shows, uh, AOS Airwaves, if you like Pokemon Unite. Um, tabletop rpg podcast out there as well called almost legends uh we play in the world of arcane the uh anime um and also this you know same world that legends of runeterra exist in so you want to hear us adventuring as characters uh across piltover and zon together uh all of season one is out this last wednesday the uh sort of the epilogue for season one came out as well and so you can check all of those things out uh on various feeds across the internet or join the discord and, uh, and you can find links to all of the shows of the most recent episodes for each of them there, along with places uh, for discussion for each one. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening uh, this week. We'll be back uh, with another episode, I would imagine, probably in three or four weeks, something like that. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you. And be sure to come back for the next episode. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.